What's up, everybody? Happy Tuesday. I know I'm a day late. A lot of stuff going on. You know, had a crazy, crazy, you know, last week. If you're listening, you know, outside of the United States, you know that, you know, it's been <laughs> a wild, you know, seven days that we've had here in this country. Um, everybody was kind of, you know, either in two states this weekend. People were either really, really excited and partying in the streets or people were completely depressed and, you know, upset about the situation. So, you know, depending on which side of the political spectrum that you sit on, I try not to, you know, put too much political stuff in, into the podcast if I can help it. But, um, you know, no matter what, it was, it's been a wild week for the United States. Um, just a bunch of crazy stuff with the election that's going on. So, but, you know, there still has been a lot of football going on. Um, a lot, a lot of football going on. And, you know, now there's even... Um, coming up, we're in uh, the middle of another international break or the start of an international break. So a lot more football happening. We got some actual important stuff going on in UEFA that's, you know, soccer with or football with consequences. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to go over and jump right into this stuff. Um, I'm going to try not to be just reading off scores this time. I'm going to try. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of stuff that happened uh, Champions League last week. Um, let me just jump into it. All right, I'm just going to go over the uh, the Champions League table after match day three. Uh, so let's see, Group A, we got Bayern Munich on top. Um, the, the next game, if they win their next game, um, they'll automatically, actually if they win or draw their next match, they will qualify for the knockout stages already after four matches. So Bayern's on top of Group A, followed by Atletico Madrid, then Lokomotiv Moscow, and Salzburg. Group B, we got... Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach on top with five points. Shakhtar Donetsk and Real Madrid both have four. And then Inter Milan have one. Group C, we got Man City sitting on top. Porto's in second. Olympiacos is in third. And Marseille is in last. Group D, we got Liverpool sitting on top. Atalanta and Ajax both have four points. And then Mitiglan is in last. Group E, uh, Chelsea and Sevilla both have seven points each. And then Krasnodar and Rene both have one point each. Group F, we got Borussia, excuse me, Borussia Dortmund on top with six points. Lazio's in second with five points. And then Club Brugge in third with four points. Zenit's in last with one point. Group G, Barcelona's on top with nine. Juventus is in second with six points. And then Dynamo Kiev and Ferencaros have one point each. Group H, Manchester United and RB Leipzig both have six points. PSG and Istanbul Başakşehir both have three points. So um, it's kind of weird, but you know the way that the, the matches play out for match day four because it's all return legs essentially. So all the matches that you saw in match day three essentially will repeat in match day four. So we'll have PSG this time hosting RB Leipzig, uh, Inter Milan hosting Real Madrid, and Marseille hosting Porto. Those are my my notable matches for match day four in the Champions League. So, and like I mentioned, there'll be teams that are going to clinch, you know, their place in the knockout, knockout stages after this next match. You know, some teams only need to draw, some teams need to win, Um, you know, some teams need to win just to stay alive. No one has officially been eliminated yet, um, but I think after match day four, you'll start to see, especially some of those teams that are in fourth place with zero points, if they don't get any points, 
uh, particularly a win, um, you'll see them eliminated. All right, moving on to the um, Europa League match day three. I'm just going to hit up the uh, the table. Uh, so group A, we got Roma sitting on top, followed by Young Boys and CFR Klug. Young Boys and, and Klug both have four points. And then CSK Sofia is in last with one point. Group B, got Arsenal on top with nine points. Molde in second with six points. Rapid Wien or Vienna uh, in third with three points. And then Dundalk has yet to gain a point. Um, group C, we got Slavia Prague and Bayer Leverkusen both with six points. And then Nice and Bapuel Beersheba with three points each. Group D, we got Rangers and Benfica both with seven points each. Lech Poznan in third with three, and then Standard Liège is in last zero points. Uh, group E, we got Granada on top, followed by PAOK in second, PSV in third, and then Omania Nicosia in fourth with one point. Uh, let's see, Group F, <laughs> this is pretty crazy. Uh, first, second, and third place all have six points. So we got AZ on top, Napoli and Real Sociedad. And then Regica is in last with zero points. Group G, we got Leicester City sitting on top with nine points. Sporting Braga in second with six points. AEK Athens in third with three points. And then Zoria in last with zero points. Group H, uh, we got Lille sitting on top, followed by AC Milan, then Sparta Prague, and then Celtic in fourth. Group I, we got Villarreal uh, in, in first. Maccabiya Tel Aviv in second, Sivaspor in third, and Quarabag in fourth. Group J is a lot like Group F. First, second, and third all have six points. Uh, and then the fourth place team has zero points. So we got Tottenham, Antwerp, Lask, and Ludogrets. Group K, we got Dynamo Zagreb on top with five points. Wolfberger AC and Feyenoord both have four points. And then CSK Moscow is in last with two points. And last but not least, Group L, we got Hoffenheim on top with nine points, Red Star Belgrade in second with six points, and then Slovan Lobrek in third with three points, Ghent in last with zero points. So it's a nice little roundup. You know, I'm, I love the Champions League. I love the Europa League. And I tend to you know, I tend to talk crap sometimes about the international break, especially when they happen so often. But I think a lot of the players as well as the fans right now, could use a little bit of break from uh, the Champions League. So I'm looking forward to this international break. Plus, I don't know, it's just maybe because this time we have uh, four matches that are happening in UEFA specifically for national teams that are actually games of consequence and teams are playing for those those spots in the what was supposed to be Euro 2020. But it, which actually, I think it's still going to be called Euro 2020, but it's going to be played in the summer of 2021. But I'm getting ahead of myself, so um, we're going to jump into Ligue 1 from France. Last week, Friday, we had Strasbourg hosting Marseille. Marseille won that game 1-0. Saturday, we had uh, Bordeaux 0, Montpellier 2, and then PSG 3, Rennes 0. PSG has just come back from the depths. I mean, they were doing so bad at the beginning of the season. All right, um going to breeze through these scores real quick. We got Brest 3, Lille 2, Lorient 0, Nantes 2, Metz and Dijon play to a 1-1 draw. Nims and Anguère played, uh, sorry, it was Nims 1, 
Angé a 5. Lon and Rems played to a 4-4 draw. Nice won Monaco 2. And then Lyon 2, Saint-Étienne 1. So after match day 10, the league on table looks like this. We got Paris Saint-Germain on top with 24 points. Lille in second with 19. René in third with 18. Marseille in fourth with 18 also, but they've only played nine matches. And then Lyon and Monaco both have 17 points. At the bottom of the table, we got Nem in 18th with eight points. Strasbourg is in 19th with six points. And then Dijon's in last with four points. My match day 11 game of the week. Me personally, I got Marseille versus Nice. Should be a decent game. I haven't been giving the uh, league on the amount of respect and <laughs> attention that I should. And uh, when I do watch a, a match, it'll be them or that match, Marseille versus Nice. All right, jumping to Serie A, match day seven. We had Sassuolo and Udinese play to a 0-0 draw. Uh, on Saturday, we had Calagiri 2, Sampdoria 0, Benevento 0, Spazia 3, and then Parma and Fiorentina play to a 0-0 draw. Sunday, Lazio and Juventus play to a 1-1 draw. Atalanta and Inter Milan also play to a 1-1 draw. We got Genoa 1, Roma 3. Torino and Crotone play to a 0-0 draw. Bologna 0, Napoli 1. And then AC Milan and Hellas Verona play to a 2-2 draw. So the Serie A table after match day 7. We got AC Milan on top with 17 points. Sassuolo is in 2nd. Napoli is in 3rd. Roma in 4th. Juventus in fifth, and Atalanta is in sixth. Bottom of the table, we got Genoa in 18th, Udinese in 19th, and Crotone in last. Uh, my match of the week coming up, I have number three, Napoli, hosting the leaders of Serie A, AC Milan. Should be a decent game. All right, La Liga. Friday, Elche and Celta Vigo played to a 1-1 draw. On Saturday, Huesca and Ibar played to a 1-1 draw. Barcelona, 5. Real Betis, 2. Sabia, 1. Asasuna, 0. Atletico Madrid, 4. Cadez, 0. On Sunday, Getafe, 1. Villarreal, 3. Real Sociedad, 2. Granada, 0. Levante and Alaves played to a 1-1 draw. Real Valladolid, 2. Athletic Club, 1. Valencia, 4. Real Madrid won. Just tragic. Real Madrid is having a not-so-good season, but I guess as of right now, they're doing better than Barcelona. So, La Liga table after match day 9, we got uh, still sitting on top, Real Sociedad with 20 points, followed by Villarreal with 18. Atletico Madrid's in third, 17 points. They got two games in hand. Real Madrid is in fourth with 16 points. They have one game in hand. Granada is in fifth. With 14 points, they have one game in hand. And then Cadez is in six with 14 points. Bottom of the table, we got Levante with six points, but they have a game in hand. Uh, Real Valladolid with six points. And Huesca in last with six points. Um, my game of the or game of the week for match day 10, when it, you know when the season resumes, uh, I got Atletico Madrid hosting Barcelona. Not quite the uh, El Clasico, but you know still Madrid versus Barcelona in some form. All right, Premier League, match day eight. Uh, Brighton and Hove Albion and Burnley playing to a 0-0 draw. Southampton 2, Newcastle 0. 
On Saturday, we had Everton 1, Manchester United 3, Crystal Palace 4, Leeds United 1, Chelsea 4, Sheffield United 1, West Ham 1, Fulham 0. And then on Sunday, we had West Brom 0, Tottenham 1, Leicester City defeated Wolves 1-0, Manchester City and Liverpool played to a 1-1 draw, and then the heartbreak of the week for me in the Premier League, Arsenal 0 Ashton Villa 3. I think there were two own goals in this game, too, which was pretty wild. I only watched a little bit of it, maybe like 10 minutes, and it was just a little too depressing. I had to turn it off. Uh, So here is the Premier League table after match day 8. We got Leicester City on top, followed by Tottenham, Liverpool, Southampton, Chelsea, Ashton Villa. Uh, Bottom of the table, we got West Brom, Burnley, and Sheffield United. Um, my notable matches for match day nine, um, we got Liverpool hosting Leicester City, Tottenham hosting Man City, and then Leeds United hosting Arsenal. So I've talked, I don't know, a lot about Leeds United and how much I like that team because of the documentary I've seen and Arsenal is my team. So no matter what, I I should not be disappointed with this game. I'm I'm sure Arsenal is probably going to win it, but you never know. Leeds have been shocking people, even though they weren't able to do it. Uh, <laughs> they were not able to get it done uh, against Crystal Palace this past week. All right, moving on to the Bundesliga. Match day seven. Um, on Friday, Werder Bremen and Cologne played to a 1-1 draw. Saturday, Union Berlin 5, Armenia Bielefeld 0. Mainz and Schalke, two of the worst teams in the league, played to a 2-2 draw. Augsburg 0, Hertha Berlin 3. RB Leipzig 3, Freiburg 0, VFB Stuttgart 2, Eintracht Frankfurt 2. Now, this game was really disappointing. <laughs> so Stuttgart got up to a, it was a 2-0, I think Stuttgart was winning. And I was like, oh, this game is in the bag. Even though I usually don't do that, I try not to count the points before, you know, the final whistle. I definitely got ahead of myself. I got up, I was doing something else in the house, and then I next thing I know, I come back and it's 2-2. And this was like shortly after the half, too. It was 2-2. And I'm like, what what, what happened? Like, seriously, what happened? Gonzalez had a chance, still in the first half, to put the game to bed. It would have been 3-0 at the half, and that would have been it. But he had this one really, really nice shot on goal. Or at least it looked like it was going to be a shot on goal. And he just completely kicked it over the, over the crossbar. And that sealed Stugart's fate. So, like I said before... Just trying to get to 40 points. 40 points will guarantee at least another season in the Bundesliga. Hopefully not drop back down to the second Bundesliga anytime soon. But, you know, playing like that, going up 2-0 at home. Yes, I understand there's no fans. But um, they should have put that game to bed. There should have been no way that that Eintracht Frankfurt should have been able to come back. All right, last but not least, we got the Klassica. Borussia Dortmund 2 Bayern Munich 3. Sunday, we had Wolfsburg 2, Hoffenheim 1, and then Bayer Leverkusen 4, Borussia Mönchengladbach 3. So the Bundesliga table after seven match days, we got Bayern Munich on top with 18 points, RB Leipzig in second with 16 points, Borussia Dortmund's in third with 17 points, Bayer Leverkusen's in fourth with 15, Union Berlin is in fifth with 12, Wolfsburg is in sixth with 11, and VFB Stuttgart is currently sitting in 8th with 10 points. Bottom of the table, 
Cologne is in 16th with three points. Schalke is in 17th with three points. And Mainz is in last with one point. So my matches of the week for match day eight, I got Hoffenheim hosting VFB Stuttgart. Now, some people would consider this to be a derby match because of the close proximity of the team, but there really is no history to it. Uh, they haven't played each other all that often. They're just, you know, the stadiums are probably, ugh, I mean, I guess depending on how fast you're driving, you could probably be to the, from Stuttgart to the Hoffenheim Stadium in 40 minutes, 45 minutes with no traffic if you're pushing it. If you get on the 10, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. You'd have to go with the 10 to the 81, 81 to the 6. These are all Autobahns. You could probably be there in 45 minutes to an hour. It's not that far away. Um, but like I said, this, this, you know, I don't want to call it a rivalry or derby. There really is no, no, no history to it yet. Both of these clubs would need a, a little bit more success and definitely a lot more games against each other for it to be a proper Baden-Württemberg or derby. Um, and the other match I have is Eintracht Frankfurt hosting RB Leipzig. It's only because I really, really want them to, uh, I really, really want Frankfurt to lose. So, um, switching gears, looking at the MLS now, the final table um, was kind of weird because, especially in the Western Conference, actually only in the Western Conference, not all teams managed to play 23 matches. So, I think they went similar to how they did in like some of the lower leagues in England last year. Uh, they went with like a uh, points per game type formula to figure out who was going to advance. And that's why you had the Colorado Rapids who only ended up playing um, 18 games. They finished higher than, you know, they finished with 28 points in fifth place in the conference. But LAFC played 22 matches and they, they got 32 points, but they are seventh in the table, which is kind of weird, but I get it, you know, because of COVID and, you know, the weather in Colorado, I'm assuming that's the, one of the reasons why, you know, they had, they weren't able to play as many games. Um, but the playoffs are here now. That's all that really matters. Um, they've changed the playoff system a little bit from last season. So now this year they have a play-in round and it's basically four teams. It's kind of like, you know, how they did the NCAA tournament. If you're an American watching college basketball, <laughs> uh, just a little quick background on that. The NCAA college men's basketball tournament has always been 64 teams. You know, they just keep playing until there's only two teams left for the final. And then, you know, it's winner take all. You basically have to go undefeated in order to win that. Not basically. You have to go undefeated to win that tournament. And then they decided to add four more teams and make it 64 teams. But those first four teams play a play-in game. And if they win that game, then they get to stay in the tournament. So they sort of expanded the tournament, but not really. Um, MLS is doing the exact same thing. That playing round game, um, it's a one-off. Uh, will be played on Friday, the 20th of November. And it's going to be the New England Revolution hosting the Montreal Impact. And Nashville hosting Inter-Miami. Inter-Miami in their inaugural season made it to the MLS playoffs, which is pretty, pretty crazy. All right. Um, in the first round of the Eastern Conference, there's only two matches that are set because of that play-in. Um, we got the Columbus Crew hosting the New York Red Bulls, Orlando City hosting NYCFC. 
And then the Philadelphia Union and Toronto FC will host whoever are the two winners of those two playing um, playing matches. Now, I think that playing thing, I think it has to do with how many points a team scores. I really have to look that up because, like I said, they, they just changed that. Uh, but the Western Conference doesn't have any playing games. And I think it's it has something to do with how many points were scored. And that determines who gets to, to play in. Um, the Western Conference, though, those matches are already set. We have Sporting KC hosting uh, the San Jose Earthquakes. The Seattle Sounders hosting LAFC. Portland Timbers hosting FC Dallas. And then Minnesota United hosting the Colorado Rapids. So normally around this time, the MLS playoffs will be done or close to done. Actually, I think they'd be done by now. Um, but, you know, because of COVID, because they did the MLS's back tournament after missing so much time, um, you know, it's pushing later on and later on. Um, you know, it's sports in general this year are just all over the place, especially here in the U.S. You know, we're talking NBA. They're about to start. Um, I think the 22nd of December, starting the 2020-2021 season. Um, I think they're only playing 72 games versus the 82, you know, normally that they play. Sports in general have just been screwed up by COVID completely. And pretty annoying, but I think I think that we're seeing a light, sort of. We can see a dim, dim, dim light at the end of the tunnel. Um, hopefully, you know, no more people die. You know, here in the U.S., we've got, like, what, 240,000 Americans that have died, which is just ridiculous. Um, But, you know, hopefully things are coming to an end in a good way, you know. So, all right. With that, I am going to uh, take a quick break, and then we'll get into these national team competitions that are coming up um, over the next, you know, week or so. And, yeah, we'll just go over all the matches for, you know, the different tournaments. All right. I will be back. All right, I'm back. All right, so moving on to national teams. Um, the United States men's team has not played in a while, um, but they're going to be playing the day after tomorrow. They're going to be playing in Wales, um, playing against Wales in Swansea, I should say. Um, and this this U.S. team looks completely different from any team that we've that we've seen in a really long time. Um, I'm I'm going to go through this entire team. It, it's 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 you know pretty impressive. Um, the U.S. national team has come a really, really long way. Uh, you know, I'm not, not trying to take anything away from the MLS at all, but uh, this is probably the first um, call-ups that I've seen that had a very, very limited number of MLS players. And actually looking at this list, there are only two players on this entire list that do not play in Europe, um, which is which is pretty, pretty crazy. And there's a lot of a lot of players that have zero caps. I've never played for the U.S. Um, I'm counting. Let's see. One, two, six. There's 10 players out of this 23 that have never played a game for the U.S. You know, there's a couple familiar faces in here, but uh, it's 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 pretty. I don't know. I'm, I'm actually excited. I mean, it looks like, you know, the, they're trying something new um, and hopefully hopefully it works out. But I'm going to go through this. Um, Real quick, we got uh, for goalkeepers, we got Zach Steffen from uh, Manchester City. He's got 17 caps. Ethan Horvath from Club Brugge, he's got four caps. And then I am going to totally butcher this name, but I'm going to try my best. Uh, Chituru Odunzi 
from Leicester City. This is his first time um, getting called up to the U.S. team. Uh, let's see for defenders. We got Tim Ream from Fulham. He's got 40 caps and one goal. John Brooks. Now, he that name should sound familiar because he was one of the players, one of those German-American players that um, was, you know, picked uh, by Jurgen Klensmann years ago. He, it's been a while since he's played for the U.S. national team, uh, but he's got 38 caps and three goals. Then you got Matt Maezga from Anderlecht. He's got 18 caps and one goal. Um, Reggie Cannon plays for Boa Vista in Portugal. Uh, he's got 11 caps. Sergino um, Dest, um, you know, he had the chance to play for the Netherlands, but he decided to, you know, select the United States. He now plays for Barcelona. He was at Ajax. Um, he's got three caps. And then we got Chris Richards for Bayern Munich. First call up to the U.S. national team. Midfielders, we got uh, Weston McKinney. You know, he just signed to Juventus. He's got 19 caps and six goals. Uh, Sebastian Letget from LA Galaxy, 14 caps and two goals. Tyler Adams from RB Leipzig. It's surprising. This is this will only be he only has 10 caps and uh, he's got one goal. I thought he played a lot more for the U.S. national team, but it might have been you know the under 21s. Um, then we got Johnny Cardoza. He plays for Internacional in Brazil. First call up. Richard Ledesma, PSV. First call up. Uh, Eunice Musa. Valencia, first call-up, and Owen Atasoi, uh, plays for Wolves. This is his first call-up. Uh, for the forwards, we got Christian Pulisic from Chelsea, 34 caps, 14 goals, U.S. captain. Everybody knows Christian Pulisic. Um, Timothy Weah from Lille, uh, eight caps, one goal. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, we got Ulysses Yanez. He plays for Herenveen in the Netherlands. Um this will only be his second second appearance, and he has one goal. Then we got Conrad de la Fuente, plays for Barcelona, first call up. Uh, Nicolas Gaianocci, he plays for Cannes in France, first call up. Uh, Giovanni Reina, doing big things in the Bundesliga for Borussia Dortmund, first call up. Sebastian Soto for Telstar in the Netherlands, this is also his first call up. So, um, you know, we always get into that and say that the U.S. national team has like a bright future and, you know, this, that and the other. But hopefully, like I said, not trying to take anything away from the MLS or, you know, even um, Liga MX, where a lot of Americans were playing, having this many players play for this many top teams. Granted, they may not be household names yet, but it definitely, you know, looks like they're they're definitely trying something new. And hopefully this is the right direction for the U.S. national team, men's team, to go in. So, all right, jumping forward. Um, I was talking about this earlier in the show, the UEFA Euro 2020 qualifying final. So we got eight teams. The winners of each one of these matches will get to play in the uh, Euro 2020 tournament that's going to take place next summer, even though it'll be 2021. Um, but we got... Hungary versus Iceland, Northern Ireland versus Slovakia, Serbia versus Scotland, and Georgia versus North Macedonia. So half of those teams that I just mentioned will be in the tournament, you know, in seven, eight months from now. And I definitely, definitely am looking forward to it. Um, also in, in Europe, uh, we still got the UEFA Nations League going on during this international break. Um, mostly, most of the games will be played this coming Sunday, but on Saturday 
We got a few good matches. Uh, we got Portugal hosting France, Sweden hosting Croatia, Germany hosting the Ukraine, uh, Switzerland hosting Spain, and the rest of the matches. I don't want to you know say that they they won't be good matches, but you know there are a lot of the the really really small teams like Malta versus Andorra. You know, still would be a decent game if you're a neutral. You know, not not taking away anything from those teams. Then on Sunday, uh, we got the Netherlands hosting Bosnia and Herzegovina, Italy hosting Poland, Belgium hosting England, Denmark versus Iceland, uh, Austria versus Northern Ireland, uh, Wales versus Ireland, which could be a pretty good match. Um, and you know, a, a few other matches that you know could be okay, but I don't think they're really, really worth mentioning. All right. Um, in addition to that, we also have, and I think this is going to be the first time they're picking this back up since COVID, but the Africa Cup of Nations qualifying is also going on. So you know, I know I don't mention um, some of the other confederations all that often. It's you know, unfortunately, the show has seemed to kind of taken a a Eurocentric kind of view. And uh, I'm definitely going to get away from that because, you know, soccer is the, or football is the, it's a global game. Um, but I'm going to go through these matches because, you know, I told you guys that I spent a lot of time in Africa. So um, some of these teams and countries, you know, I've been to, I've watched matches. I've watched hundreds and hundreds of hours of football while I was, you know, on the continent, mostly, you know, while I was working or whatever. Um, and it, you know, Africa has a special kind of football culture, um, you know, that will still vary not only from, you know, region to region, but also from country to country over there. So, um, let's see, this is, this will be round five, um, on tomorrow. Next, so we got, uh, Guinea hosting Chad, Mauritania versus Burundi, uh, Cape Verde versus Rwanda, Kenya versus Camaros, Senegal versus Guinea-Bissau and Libya hosting Equatorial Guinea. Then on Thursday, we got Uganda versus South Sudan, Burkina Faso versus Malawi, Ghana versus Sudan, Gabon versus the Gambia, Cameroon versus Mozambique, Zambia versus Botswana, Algeria versus Zimbabwe, Congo versus Swaziland, Cote d'Ivoire, or the Ivory Coast, versus Madagascar. Then on Friday, we got Mali versus Namibia, uh, South Africa versus Sao Tome and Principe, Morocco versus Central African Republic, Tunisia versus uh, Tanzania, Niger versus Ethiopia, and Nigeria versus Sierra Leone. Then on Saturday, we got the Democratic Republic of Congo hosting Angola, Egypt hosting Togo, and Benin versus Lesotho. So, it's a lot of countries, a lot of countries in Africa. Africa has essentially the same amount of countries as Europe. But, you know, somehow, I don't know, it seems like just there's not enough money pumped into it. Plus, those distances are pretty great that a lot of teams would have to travel. That's one of the reasons why playing in the UEFA Champions League versus any other Champions League in the world is, is a little bit different because you have countries in such close proximity. Yes, going from Lisbon to Moscow is far, but it's not as bad as going from Cairo to Cape Town, you know? So um, it, Africa is, is, is huge. It's 
they, they, like I said, they have a great football culture, more than what you saw during the uh, the 2010 World Cup down in South Africa. Um, their fans are just they're great. And as I mentioned before, it, it, it varies. It varies from region to region, country to country. So I'm not going to go through the standings. I'll cover that on another one on another podcast in the future, probably after this match day, this round five that that's coming up next. Um, all right, let's see. So Conmebol World Cup qualifying match day three. So on Thursday, um, the 12th of November, we got Bolivia hosting Ecuador, Argentina versus Paraguay. Friday, we got Colombia versus Uruguay, Chile versus Peru, and Brazil versus Venezuela. So right now, after two match days, the CONMEBOL World Cup qualifying table, you got Brazil on top with six points, Argentina's in second also with six points, Colombia's in third with four, Paraguay is in fourth with four, Ecuador's in fifth with three, Uruguay is in sixth with three, Chile and Peru both have one point each, and Venezuela and Bolivia, sitting at the bottom of the table, both have zero points currently. I'm going to take another quick break because I definitely need something to drink. And uh, I'll be right back. All right, welcome back. So, so far in this new segment, um, I've talked about the uh, OFC, the Oceania Football Confederation, as well as CONCACAF. So next up is the Asian Football Confederation, or the AFC. Um, There are 47 members broken up into three zones. Obviously, Asia is huge. So uh, we have the Western, or excuse me, West Asian Football Federation with 12 members. We got Bahrain, Iraq, Jordan, Kuwait, Lebanon, Oman, Palestine, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Syria, the United Arab Emirates, and Yemen. Then there is the Central Asian Football Association with six members. We got Afghanistan, Iran, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, and Uzbekistan. Then there is the South Asian Football Federation. Uh, Members are Bangladesh, Bhutan, India, the Maldives, Nepal, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka. Sorry, there's more than three zones. Uh, Then you have the ASEAN Football Federation with 12 members. There's Australia, Brunei, Cambodia, Indonesia, Laos, Malaysia, Myanmar, the Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, Timor-Leste, and Vietnam. And then you have the East Asian Football Federation with China, Chinese Taipei or Taiwan, Guam, Hong Kong, Japan, North Korea, South Korea, Macau, uh, Mongolia, the North Marinara Islands, which are not a member of FIFA. Um, The Confederation was founded um, in May of 1954 in the Philippines, in the capital Manila. The current headquarters are in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. As far as national team competitions, there's the uh, AFC Asian Cup. It's the, the second oldest continental football competition after the Copa America, so yes, it's even older than the Euros. Um, the winners of this of the AFC Asian Cup are considered the champions of Europe. The championship was started in 1956 and was contested every four years, up until 2007, uh, when they switched it not to coincide with the European Championships or the Olympics. So the next one will take place in 2023. 
Japan is the most successful nation with four wins. Saudi Arabia and Iran have both won it three times. South Korea has won it twice. And then Qatar, Iraq, Kuwait, and Australia have all won it once. Kuwait won the last tournament in 2019. There's also the AFC Solidarity Cup. So this tournament is designed to allow some of the smaller nations that have difficulty organizing friendlies to participate in a competition. Uh, the first version took place in 2016 where nine teams participated. However, it can be played with eight to 10, um, 10 nations and currently, currently Nepal are the reigning champions. As far as club competitions, there is the AFC Champions League uh, competition has been around since 1967 when it was initially called the Asian Champion Club Tournament. Later, it was known as the Asian Club Championship, and in 2002, it was renamed again to the AFC Champions League. Uh, currently, after qualifying, the group stage consists of 32 teams broken up into eight groups of four. But in 2021, the group stage is going to expand by eight teams, and it'll be 40 teams, 10 groups. Uh, Al Hilal from Saudi Arabia and Pohang Steelers from South Korea are the most successive team, successful teams in the competition. Al Hilal, they're the current champions, but they withdrew from the 2020, 2020 tournament. That's hard to say. The 2020 tournament um, before the start of the group stage. I'm assuming it was because of COVID. Um, the 2020 version has also been postponed due to COVID. And the winners of the tournament get to represent the AFC in the annual FIFA Club World Cup. Just like in Europe, the AFC has a second tier tournament called the AFC Cup, similar to the Europa League. Um, it's, it's, it's basically a tournament that is for teams that didn't qualify for the AFC Champions League, similar to <laughs> teams not qualifying for the, the UEFA, excuse me, the UEFA Champions League and settling for or going down into the uh, Europa League. So it has a group stage where 36 teams compete and the current champions are Alahid from Lebanon. Um, it's, it's annual, just like the AFC Champions League. So um, next week we'll be talking about, or I'll be talking about Comet Bowl. Comet Bowl is a little bit easier because, you know, there's only 10 teams. Um, you know, they have the Copa Libertadores, which is a good... Uh, great tournament actually it's it's you know one of my favorites to uh, to follow even though it's you know sometimes it's kind of hard to to get some of the matches um but yeah that uh that's the afc uh confederation so um yeah oh man tomorrow is a holiday here which i'm grateful for because i definitely need to sleep in a little bit things have been kind of wild the last uh last week or so like i mentioned so um but with that i think i'm going to end it um, I hope you guys, uh, have a good day. Um, man, I think I'm a little tired. I don't know what happened just out of nowhere. It suddenly became tired, but anyway, whatever. So you guys, um, stay safe. You know, numbers are going up in this country. Numbers are going up in Europe with this stupid COVID crap. You know, hopefully, like I said earlier, we're, we're getting closer to the, to the end. Hopefully we're not too far away from the end. So just stay safe, take care of yourselves, take care of your families. Wash your hands, wash your mask, try not to be around a bunch of people. You know, for if any, there's anybody that's listening to this that was celebrating this past weekend, you know, I get it. Be happy, you know, do your thing, but don't put yourself into a situation where, you know, you're going to get yourself and your family sick. 
I mean, there, there's always a time to celebrate, you know, whatever it is, but just, just do it safely. Um, yeah, that, that's all I got. So thank you guys for listening. Hit me up on Instagram, Twitter, or, you know, send me an email. Um, again, if you guys want to play me in FIFA, um, my, my PlayStation ID is football boy, R H F U T B O L, uh, boy R H. Hopefully the day after tomorrow, I'll be getting a PS five. Hopefully we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm not holding my breath. It's supposed to be my Christmas gift. We'll see if my wife's able to, to get it. Maybe I'll be playing a PS five in a couple of days. So, but yeah, if you guys want to play me, feel free. Also, yo, um, you know, I don't, I don't talk too much about my about my kids on here, but my my oldest son, uh, he stopped playing FIFA for a while, for years actually. Now he's getting back into it. Um, I'm actually kind of scared to play the kid because he's been putting a lot of hours in. <laughs> Last time I played him, I beat him, but that was years ago. He stopped playing since then. Was playing like Fortnite or whatever, and I noticed he's been putting a lot of time into FIFA. And I think he's he's gonna challenge me soon, probably kick my ass in it too. So I don't know. We'll see. He's probably gonna get a PS5 too, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, all right, that's it. I'm done. I'll talk to you guys later. Hit me up. Um, love to hear from you guys. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Enjoy some matches. Take care of yourselves. All right. Bye.